It's Tuesday, February 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Total Income, Ron Gross. Hey there. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing all right. We've got we got a. I was thinking the other day, like, well, earnings season kind of winding down. This might be a slow week. No, no not plenty, not, plenty. Not today. We got a lot today. We've got Domino's latest quarter. We have got front page news from the Washington Post. That is not good news for one company in particular. <laughs> for a lot of people and companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, we've got an update on Snap's IPO, which is coming later this week. Let's start, though, with Target. Target shareholders are having their worst day in about, in a while, yeah. in about 20 years. Uh, shares of Target down 14% this morning after a horribly disappointing fourth quarter report. Uh, the profits were lower than expected, and sales fell for the sixth straight quarter. Yep, not great. Remember how good Target used to be when everyone used to call it Target and it was so hot? Those days are, yes, are, are behind us. There was that, and then there was the resurgence when Brian Cornell became CEO, yeah. and his first year in the corner office was fantastic. Yeah, and then the internet was invented. <laughs> no, he hasn't been CEO forever. I mean, he, he, he walked into a tough situation, he turned it around, and it's. It, the way Target is going lately is a reminder to me that, kind of like in sports, where there's a new coach who comes in and the team is terrible, and they they improve the team. It's like, yeah. hey, we were we had a terrible season last season. This season we're we're 500, and it's like, great. Can you make the next leap to making the playoffs? And that's the thing. <laughs> not Target, always. Brian, not usually. Brian Cornell took them from terrible to better. But yeah. they are missing the playoffs. They're missing. Retailing is tough. First of all, I always say it. Specialty retailing is a disaster. Uh, general merchandise re- retailing is very tough, especially in the age of Amazon. We always say it. Buffett came out with his annual letter recently. His quote on retailing is: "Retailing is tough for me to figure out because the internet has swept in and offered shoppers variety and low prices at their fingertips." Duh. But <laughs> but yeah, that's that's you know that's Buffett being folksy. Um, but it's true, and every time we talk about this situation, we keep bringing up Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. It sounds like kind of we sound like broken records, but it's the truth. Um, combine that with the steps that Walmart has taken, basically to compete with Amazon, and you leave Target behind in the dust because they've been slow to act. Um, they could have theoretically taken a lot of the same steps that Walmart has taken to try to improve results, especially their online platform. They had a little data breach problem, you may recall. Their Canada operations were a disaster. They've they've had some things that have caused them to take their eye off the ball, and they they're behind the eight ball as a result. Um, can they get it together? Um, certainly, there are things they can do to improve, and and online will be one of them. The interesting thing that we're going to see now is they're going to they're going to purposely hurt their gross margins. They're going to bring prices down to compete. And in the short term, or even the medium term, that is going to take a chunk out of profits. And we saw that with them uh, lowering their forecasts. Uh, they have to do it. Um, you can't keep prices higher than they, than you can get over at Walmart or Amazon. And uh, so it's necessary. And if it will work, we'll we'll have to wait. Well, this will be a quarter by quarter rollout of um, of this new strategy. It includes a launch of new twelve new brands. Um, so we're we're gonna wait and see, but certainly things are not great at Target. I feel like this cuts both ways because on the one hand you have Brian Cornell and his team coming out and saying, "Hey, we're not. We see the problems. 
We're going to attack it on all fronts. We're going to be investing in e-commerce. We're going to invest in our physical stores. We're going to be launching these new exclusive brands. We're also going to be cutting prices. So, they're not sitting still. On the other hand, any one of those four things is a significant undertaking. Right. So and you, I mean, you I have I, lower profitability and higher spending, which eventually could work out which is or it could be a disaster. Um and and it time will tell. I sitting here I I continue to say again retail is tough. Um they'll have to really execute well to turn this around. It's not like they're not a viable company. They're certainly profitable and and they're a very large company and and people are still shopping there. Um even though same store sales were down about 1.5%. Um it's not like they're in trouble and going out of business. It's just that this is this is a tough business. Am I crazy to think that at this moment in time, looking forward, Walmart is in a better position in terms of retail than Target is? And and part of part of the reason I ask this question is the acquisition of Jet.com that Walmart made appears to be a good appears yep. to be not only a, a good one at the time it was seen as, well, this is smart. But also, their implementation of it appears to be going smoothly. So that's one. And two, Walmart is so big, and when it comes to cutting deals, not with consumers but with suppliers, yep. their purchasing power seems to be significantly greater than Target's. Well, they're they're actually they are squeezing package goods suppliers um, to close the, that pricing gap, and they're definitely doing that. I saw a, a good analyst quote that that I agree with. The Target is doing now, or they're poised to do now, what Walmart did about two years ago. Um, and so they Target is is just late to the game, and Walmart is better positioned as a result. All right, here's here's a name I don't think we have ever mentioned in the now seven years that we've been doing market foolery. Wow. Signet Jewelers. Mm. This is the parent company of Sterling Jewelers, which is the conglomerate behind brands that you know if you listen to the radio or watch television, and that's K Jewelers um, and Jared Jewelry. Shares. Well, I what I had written down was shares are hitting a four-year low. Right when we walked into the studio, <laughs> I looked at Twitter and saw that shares of Signet Jewelers have been halted. Trading has been halted, and that's because of the front-page story on the uh, in the Washington Post today. Hundreds, hundreds of former employees are claiming that its chief executive and other company leaders. And I'm reading directly from the post now. Presided over a corporate culture that fostered rampant sexual harassment and discrimination, according to arbitration documents obtained. Declarations from roughly 250 women and men who worked at Sterling filed as part of a, pla- a private class action arbitration case alleged that female employees at the company throughout the late 90s and 2000s were routinely groped, demeaned, and urged to sexually cater to their bosses to stay employed. And then, not great. <laughs> to put it what's the seventy thousand number? Um, so that is uh, the class action case. Now includes nearly seventy thousand people who are current and former employees of Sterling, and they operate about fifteen hundred stores across America. And Sterling disputes these allegations, of course. But I, I mean, I I read this entire story, and. Uh, once I got over being sickened, because it is just—it's just sickening. Uh, all I could think was, "There's no way 
most, if not all, of this is true. It's so, and 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 kudos to Drew Harwell, the reporter at the Post, who put this together because this is a, this is one of those stories where a ton of research has been done and, uh, going through court documents and and all that yeah. sort of thing. And it, it, I mean, my God, it's. <laughs> And and when producer Dan Boyd was in here right before we started taping, we were all asking, and the uh, I'll edit out the profanity that we were using, but it was basically, "What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people?" It's it, yeah, it's it's pretty disgusting. Again, if it's true, and and I tend to agree with you, there's certain there's, there's certain truths here. It's it would appear this has been going out on though for a while, 2008, and it's interesting that it's really taken a chunk out of the stock today as this post article comes out and as a lot of the court documents come to light. Um, you know, we are very big believers here at the Fool in corporate culture and and getting behind companies and wanting to own companies um, that have positive cultures that that bring bring the world forward. Um, this is perhaps the opposite of that. So regardless of their profits or, or anything in terms of valuation or anything, it's not a company that I would want to own. Yeah, I mean this is this is not and and we've seen this with other companies in other industries where there is a single executive who is accused of Anything from you know this type of uh, you know sexual impropriety to uh, they're cooking the books and, you know yeah. anything along the spectrum of either inappropriate behavior or just flat out criminal behavior. This is this systemic. It, it's yes, a systemic, this appears it's, so it's pervasive. Part of the culture. Um, allegedly, um, female employees were, were were encouraged or forced. I don't know what the right word is to to do certain things to move up in the organization. Um, you know, from a sexual perspective, from a, a poor pay perspective, from a discrimination perspective, um, just really troubling allegations. And since we uh, like to shine a light on CEOs, um, Mark Light is the name of the CEO at Signet Jewelers, and he is and he is he is, he is, being is named accused in as this. Well, yes. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm just waiting to hear his comment. It's interesting, <laughs> right? It is interesting that the stock was halted, and I guess it was basically in free fall. Um, because we know why. It's not like there. I don't think there's news coming out or another press release that is pending. Because sometimes that's when you halt the stock. Um, perhaps the company will put out a press release um, in response to the article, and then the stock will will begin trading again. Who knows how low? Yeah, just. I'm just. I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm just shaking my head over this. Yeah. Just, you know. And 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 I got to give credit to Dan Boyd for this, uh, as he said, it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard to be a good person. It's not hard to be a good person. You don't even have to be a great person. Just don't be a That's all. There you go. There you go. All right, let's move on to Snap. Um, Snap is going public on Thursday, and I wanted to get your take on the news today because you, you were the first person I've, I, that yeah. I thought of in this. Um, uh, the headline from Reuters is, Snap expects some IPO investors to make year-long commitments which I find puzzling. And it's, it's essentially Snap um, saying that, hey, they're going public on Thursday, um, and they're looking to get commitments from shareholders to hold the stock for a year. Yeah, I, I don't recall ever seeing this before. I, so that and, was... I, and I tried to do a little searching and, and came up short as well. I mean, Snap is coming public at around a $20 billion valuation. And let's remind people that the company is not profitable. But yeah, details. <laughs> details. Um, 
and it looks like this is a pretty hot IPO. It looks like it's going to be oversubscribed. The demand is quite strong. So when that happens, you, there's a lot of things you can do. You can raise the price, get a better valuation, get more, put more money in the company's pockets, and you can make certain demands. I guess like this one. Um, very often, uh, hot IPOs will see a stock kind of drop over over the preceding months. You know, as people sell the stock, as lockups come off, they're trying to mitigate any of that volatility in the stock by locking up these institutional shareholders, which again I, I have never seen before. What's interesting to me though is that employees and founders. Their lockup is only 150 days. Right. <laughs> so the founders can sell stock, but the institutions that bought in the IPO have to wait a year if this ends up working. They haven't had any commitments, actually, as far as we know, um, from institutions saying, okay, I'll, I'll take that deal. Um, but that is, that's a bit of a discrepancy. I would say, you know, lock everyone up the same. Um, but, you know, I, I could see the arguments on both sides. But I, I've never seen this. It's an indication of the strength of the IPO. If this works, it will be interesting to see if other companies follow suit. It's interesting because we've already seen some pushback from the institutional community in terms of the fact that Snap, right out of the gate, is offering shares that have no voting rights whatsoever. Yeah. And so I. On on many levels, this is not a great IPO um, from my perspective. As you, one of those reasons is the voting, um, the lockup for the founders being different than what they're asking institutions. The fact that they're not profitable. The fact that it's a twenty billion dollar valuation. Um, look, it's oversubscribed, so I guess it's going to be hot, but it's not for me. I'll tell you the one way it's a it's a good IPO. It from a popcorn perspective, this is this is going to be <laughs> you can just sit back and watch. This is going to be fun to watch. Um, we're we're actually going to be doing a, a Facebook Live uh, video on Thursday as part of our taping of Market Foolery, and we're definitely going to be talking about Snap. So if you're on the Facebook, check us out Thursday. We're I think we're going to be doing that around twelve noon mm-hmm. Eastern time on Thursday. Great. Uh, and you can uh, you don't even have to be a member of the Motley Fool podcast group on Facebook. Although, although we'd love it. Why if you wouldn't would. you be? Why wouldn't you? It's free. <laughs> Can't beat the price. Much like this podcast. Uh, before we get to Domino's, I, I introduced you as being from Motley Fool Total Income, uh, which may strike a few listeners as you know, their ears might have perked out because they may never have heard that before. That's a brand new service uh, that we've just launched. Um, you're working on this, Jeff Fisher. Uh, is part of this Robert Brokamp, uh, our retirement expert from Motley Fool Answers. What, share yep. just a thumbnail sketch of, of Motley Fool Total Income. We're really excited about this as a company, and and I'm excited, and, and Bro, affectionately, Robert Brokamp, uh, Bro is really excited about this. It's, our, as you said, our, our newest service designed to help members generate income from their investment portfolios. And whether you're in retirement or not, if you are a person who would like to cash in your pocket, money in your pocket on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, what have you, for whatever reason, this service is designed to help you do just that. And we do it through stocks, bond funds, options. Um, We do it through real estate um, REITs, real estate investment trusts. Um, We're really spanning um, across many different types of investments to help people generate income. If you want more information, you can go to totalincomeradio.fool.com. That is totalincomeradio.fool.com. I'll put the URL in the description of this podcast. Why, thank uh, you. It's, a, yeah, it's a, a great site where you can sort of learn more. There's uh, videos of you and bro and 
looking all spiffed up. <laughs> yeah, I put on a nice shirt. Nice. Clean shirt. Uh, Domino's Pizza fourth quarter report was basically everything that Target's was not. Um, <laughs> profits plus and, pizza. Plus pizza. Profits and sales higher than expected. They're opening new locations. Boy, oh boy! This, I mean, you called this one way. I don't think you call. I don't think you saw this. But years no, ago, you. This is one of those companies that you said, "Take a look at this one." Right. I looked at it when it was under ten, maybe even under five, and now we're here at one hundred and eighty-seven. Stocks up four hundred and sixty-six percent over the last five years, and I keep waiting for that to abate. But they they continue to put up really strong numbers. Um, same store sales growth in the in the U.S. was twelve percent. Um, Franchise locations again, twelve percent. The one soft spot I don't really even consider it soft was international, where um, same store sales were up four point three percent. That was viewed as being a little light by the uh, analyst community, but international now has grown same store sales ninety two straight quarters. That's that's, that's a really uh, I'm great sorry. a great achievement. One more time, ninety two straight quarters. Um, it, it's been a, it's been. <laughs> I certainly hope I'm not getting that wrong, but I'm not. It's a, it's been quite a, a great track record of achievement for them. They've increased their long-term growth forecast, um, so the numbers keep coming up. They raised their dividend 21. percent um, So we've got a little one percent yield there. But for those uh, people again interested in generating a little income, there's a little income for you, um, and they're doing great. In contrast to Papa John's recently reported, not so great, not terrible, but uh, you know, not not great versus. Expectations and that stock sold off a bit. Domino's just continues to get it done, but the stock now is not cheap. We're over 40 times earnings, even though those earnings forecasts continue to rise. But the stock is certainly not not a value investment at this level. I want to zero in on one number you mentioned, and that is the same store sales in the fourth quarter, uh, a little over 12 percent in the U.S. And sometimes when we look at whether it's a retailer or a restaurant, and we look at the comps number, uh, we don't always look back, well, what was that off of? And sometimes, same-store sales are up on a comparative basis because one year prior, they just weren't that great. Right. Domino's, in 2014, fourth quarter, same-store sales up a little over 11%. 2015, same quarter, just under 11%. It's, it's, and now it's 12%. very impressive. So, I mean, yeah, and I mean, they've really gotten the digital platform down right more so than any of the the other mediocre pizza companies. <laughs> by, by mediocre, I don't mean the company; I mean the pizza. Um, but they've really. You don't think they've they've gotten their pizza better? Better, sure, yes. But I mean, I'm I'm you know I'm a New York guy, and and I. You have high standards. We order delivery pizza all the time. Don't get me wrong; it's easy, it's go to, um, absolutely. But I don't consider it to be phenomenal pizza. Right. I just consider it to be easy and 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 quick and 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 a good value. Um, and they've done a great job with with the digital platform and making it easy easy to order. Patrick Doyle, the CEO, uh, he's been there about ten years, I think, and uh, I, I I I'm on the lookout now. For this to happen a third time, because I missed it the first two times, and what I'm referring to is the CEO of a restaurant chain comes out and says very loudly and very plainly, our customer experience is not that great. And in the case of Patrick Doyle at Domino's Pizza, it was, our pizza is not that great, right. and we're going to work to make it better. And in the case of Panera Bread, yep. it was Ron Shake saying, our restaurants are a mosh pit, and we are going to work on making that better. And if you bought shares of either of those companies when the CEO came out 
and shined a light on in a just you can't get more transparent than that. Uh, it's it's and awesome. by the way, I, I, there was not a single customer <laughs> of either of those companies said, "Oh no no no, you're wrong." <laughs> no no, it was true. Um, I love it. Uh, the transparency, absolutely awesome. Um, so. Regardless of the execution, you you got to give it up to them for for coming out and being and perfectly honest with shareholders. Then we do turn to execution, though. It doesn't always turn out that you can actually turn the corner and improve things. In this your particular two cases you pulled out, they they did it beautifully, um, and and it's, it's rewarded shareholders quite nicely. You make pizza at home. You're, you're I do. I love to make pizza. And what are you making these days? What what's something if I come over and I'm like, make me something a little special. <laughs> so <laughs> I would be happy to. Lately, I've tur- instead of the, your typical flat pizza, I, I've started making what's called the grandma pie, which is a pie in a pan. Okay. Um, but even more so than that, I've started taking the pizza dough and turning them into strombolis or calzones, um, which are similar things. It's kind of pizza wrapped inside right. the dough, um, and just loving it. See, I've I I want to make those. I've never actually made a calzone, and I think part of it is my fear that it's just all going to come leaking out. You so, got to seal it tight. You must. Okay. A little olive oil on top okay. not only browns it up, softens the dough. You can kind of crimp it a little bit. Um, nice hot oven. Use a pizza stone if you have one. Yeah, the pizza stone is is key. How how hot you go with the oven? You can go 500. I, I go hot for pizza. For the calzones, I do usually 450 because it, it's a little higher, and it, for some reason, it, you know, the top can burn as it gets closer to the yeah. heating element. Um, for, so 450, I do that, um, but I let it get good and hot for a while. I don't. I let the it, the preheat, you know, for for a good long while. You're not getting tips like that on other shows. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you, you clearly don't. Ron Gross, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 